Hello everybody, welcome back, or welcome to, if this is the first edition of Passing Dimes you're checking out. Uh, Dallas, good, you? I've been doing okay. I mean, if this is your first time checking us out, then, I mean, what an episode you got to come into. Definitely, and if, if you've listened to a few, this is another one of our theme of big brain people. We're going to learn a lot this episode. We like to flex our brain muscles as much as we like to flex our biceps. I like to get a mental sweat on every once in a while. Too. I read the dictionary. <laughs> So this week's guest is a master's student at Ryerson University, where he's also on the varsity team. He's a master on the court with the One Volleyball League. Ooh, that's a good one. Thank you. Uh, he was almost a partner with yours. There was that you got matched at the selection camp, and everybody's going, you know what? That that could be a team someday. We did. We really knocked that out of the park. We were masterful, even. Nice. I like that. Uh, and. For me, one of the nicest guys I ever met at Kitts Beach, and it turns out he's from Ontario. I always gave him credit as a BC guy, but let, let's bring him in. Joel Hannon to the show. Hey, guys. Hey, Joel. That was, that was really good. Thanks, man. We, we did some research. Uh, Chris and Liam might give you a little bit of heat because we didn't do as much research for theirs, but you know what? It's we like you better. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I heard that one, actually. But I also heard the edit that you did beforehand, which was uh, the guiltiest sounding apology I've heard in a while was your redo on their intro. I may have been influenced by Liam at practice the next day being like, you guys didn't really work too hard on our intro, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Joel. Everything we do, we do in one take and we're actually live. So <laughs> we don't make mistakes on the Pass and Dimes podcast. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, we haven't been going since nine in the morning trying no. to get this right. Exactly. <laughs> one hand wonders. Good. So let's cover, I guess... Let's start with the the thing you're into right now. Let's cover one volleyball. You guys play for the Toronto League Championship this week. Is that correct? We do, yes. At my home court at Ryerson, too. Nice. And you are with Madawaska Madmen? Yep. Perfect. Do you want yep. to share some teammates you have uh, on that squad? <laughs> the brag list. Yeah, go uh, for it. Name drop away here. Yeah. So, at Libero, a big nobody, and Eric Matson. Flarek Chapelson. <laughs> <laughs> Um, on right side, we've got uh, Z-Man with Z-Mill, Joran Zeman. Zoran Yeman. Nice. <laughs> um, playing left side, but was a middle and is taking my spot at left side away, <laughs> is LP Mainville. Nice. Or, or PL, as he likes to be called. Uh, Chris Tao gave a shout out that he thinks maybe LP's the best player in the league this year, that he's absolutely crushing it. So no shame uh, losing your spot to that guy. Yeah, no, I, I actually don't feel bad about it. No, he's... Uh, <laughs> He's an athletic freak for sure, and um, Chris Knight and Zane and Omari, who I think, and Liam Gray might still be the only like active college players. Joel House is on our team, but he's I think he's done now. But every week we're just like marveling at the guys on our team. Even I mean, Chris Town and Jordan Figuera are also unbelievable. Like I think Jordan, yeah, Jordan's pretty good. Has gotten Player of the Game almost every week. He, he is solid. I think he won the Ken Davies his year uh, with 18U and a bunch of provincial championships with uh, guys like Shawan on his team. So, yeah, definitely a stud. Yeah, he's legit, for sure. Nice. Was that a goal of yours playing this summer in the one league, was to kind of improve going back to Ryerson? Have you been really impressed with the level so far? Yeah, it was actually, um, it was, that was the only reason I wanted to play in it. I didn't play club volleyball or play more than two years of high school volleyball before I went into university. And so when I started this year uh, at Ryerson, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, like at my first meeting with Matt Harris, when he was kind of like recruiting me, I didn't even know what a 51 was. And he was like, I think we're going to put you in middle. And so he was showing me tape of Nav Suhan, our middle at Ryerson. And he's like, okay, so here's Nav running a 51. And then Matt pauses and he looks at me and he goes, do you know, do you know what that is? And I was like, I have no clue what anything is in indoor. Um, <laughs> and that was pretty much my whole first year. So coming to the summer, I knew I was going to have to do an internship uh, that was going to be like a nine to five deal for my master's. And the one league was perfect because I knew it was like one practice a week, one game a week. And the level was super high because it was mostly comprised. Well, the starting lineups of teams are mostly comprised of guys who have like crushed it at the university level, if not went on to play pro. So I knew I was going to learn a lot, and I think I got put on the best team for that, uh, to be quite honest. Nice. So we kind of mentioned LP, and that was Chris's shout-out. Is there a guy in the league either on your team or another team that you're like, wow, you just get kind of caught watching him when the games are on? 
Yeah, Joran Zeman on my team for sure. Um, so Joran played at Queens with Nico Rukavina, who was my coach this past year at Ryerson. And Joran was around a lot because they're they're really good buddies. I'm pretty sure Joran's going to be the best man at his wedding. But um, Joran and Becky uh, both coached, and then Becky also played at Ryerson. And so they were around a lot this year. And every time they were around and he would come up, Nico would always just be like, man, like, Joran's so good. Not just out of nowhere. Like, I, I, we talked about him. Joran moves very nonchalantly on the court. But he, and he doesn't hit the ball, like, exceptionally hard compared to guys like LP. Um, or even Eric Matson. I'll give him a shout-out for how hard he hits the ball when he gets his warm-up sets. It's pretty impressive. Um, well, when you, when you only swing arm. 12 times in your career, your shoulder's got to be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was joking about at Kits when I played against uh, Blair Band. When he'd show up, he would be bombing away, and the joke would be that he's got that lifetime of rest in his shoulder. Um, <laughs> no, but, yeah, Joran doesn't, like, hit the ball exceptionally hard or jump exceptionally high, but he sees the block so well. And I think it was a couple weeks ago, we were playing in our last game of the regular season, and Dave Gross is our head coach. Um, comes over to us at one point because I was on the bench, so I hear a lot of what the coaches are saying. It's how I get better. And he's like, Jorn's hitting 800 right now. And it was the third set of our match, and I think he had like 10 kills on whatever, however many attacks makes 800 hitting percentage. But he's so quiet and just tool, tool, tool off the block every time or like puts it into the pot. And to me, that's the most impressive style of volleyball is the really quiet style of volleyball that just gets points yeah i remember when dallas and i were at york i was doing shot charts and Yorin's at the end of the game looked like a fan like there wasn't even a tendency he had hit like every shot possible against us so there <laughs> yeah, was just sounds like him. <laughs> until i was in the backcourt that was just a big circle of digs <laughs> uh I'll ch- jim the intern will check our records <laughs> on that one uh joel before we get into ryerson let's cover your path to volleyball because it is pretty unique how you got here you mentioned you didn't play club you played a little bit of high school but is it fair to say you kind of learned through beach more than indoor yeah totally so how did you get uh, into the beach game was kids your kind of initiation or what was the start for you um yeah kids was for sure the start so i went and did my undergraduate degree at carlson university which if anyone who knows volleyball knows it doesn't have a varsity program or even a club program um and so i went there for my undergrad and in my first year through uh, a girl that i was seeing at the time i met the guy who is now my best friend they like grew up in a similar town and played on the same club team and he and i hit it off really well in first year university and like in the first couple months of university you're meeting so many people and you're just like social overload for sure and he and i started playing in um indoor tournaments in the gatineau area in this uh in these tournaments called ekvp tournaments and i just got hooked like i i wasn't playing hockey anymore and that was a huge part of my life growing up um and it was pretty much like all i cared about volleyball and basketball and track and field were just kind of like placeholders until i could play hockey again and then I got into first year university and I was like, shit, like I don't have any, any competitive outlet anymore. And so I started putting all my chips into these recreational tournaments and I was miserable, but I loved it. And I got hooked. (laughs) Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You were miserable, but you loved it. That doesn't work. (laughs) My, my skill level was miserable, but my emotional satisfaction okay. was great. I just yeah, needed, sorry. Jim the intern needed to fact check that statement. <laughs> whoa, 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 Yeah, so I got hooked and then that summer I was going out to Vancouver um, because I have, I have three siblings who live on the West Coast and I was going to live with my sister and I was like, I want to play volleyball over the summer and beach volleyball seems cool because you don't have to wear shoes, you're at the beach and life's good. So I got my brother to make a Facebook status asking if he knew anyone in the area who um, played beach volleyball in Vancouver. And sure enough, um, people start commenting at Sean Sanderson. <laughs> of course. And I guess what happened <laughs> is during the Vancouver Olympics, Sean and my brother bartended together to make some extra cash at a bar called Cinema on Granville Street. And uh, they, like, kind of stayed in touch. Like, the whole hospitality industry is pretty close. But 
yeah, and then Sandy was just, I shot him a Facebook message, and he's like, yeah, I come down to the beach, and, um, like, I'll introduce you to everyone, and that's exactly what happened. I just showed up, and then pretty much that whole summer, I just showed up to court one every day, the challenge court, um, and just lost, and just waited for someone to take pity on me and pick me up as a partner, and then just kept playing beach since then. That's pretty much it. I was, I was just bad. And then I slowly, slowly, slowly got better. <laughs> it's uh, it's funny you talk about like that sort of uh, atmosphere in, in university when you uh, you know there's social overload. I think Sandy lives his whole life in that social overload. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he uh, he plays every tournament, and then actually no, I don't think he's working at the Bimini anymore. But for like 15 years, Sean Sanderson would just play the tournaments on the weekends, and then go bartend at the bar where everyone who played the tournament drank. And you know what? To to his credit, athletically, he's actually a pretty skilled hockey player. Yeah, he's a good hockey player. Yeah. He, played, uh, he played in the coast. Yeah, I think. yeah, I I knew that he played in the coast. And uh, the, shout out to anybody who played in the coast because that's a tough one. That's a grind. Yeah, yeah, big time grind. Yeah, I've heard some I've heard some crazy stories. A guy at Ryerson um, named Matthew Santos, who's playing hockey now, played in the coast. And there's some pretty gnarly stories from that from that league. Talk about playing a sport for no money, right, guys? I wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah, why, why do people do that? I got my feet kicked back living off of my FIVB checks. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, volleyball's fun. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's pretty much, uh, like, I played I played a full summer at Kits. I was working at a couple bars in Vancouver, and then I would just, I would show up late to the, oh my god, I got in so much trouble at the restaurants. I would show up late so sandy that um, some of the servers at the bar would, like, come by me and, like, flick sand off my neck because they're like, your boss is going to see it. And, um, I was I was such a, a beach bum that summer, and then I fell in love with it and just found every way to play ever since. Nice. So anyone who's listened to a previous episode knows that I, I fangirled over Seymour and the Vancouver scene pretty pretty good. Can you just cover what the challenge court is, just for anyone who's a new listener? Uh, just real quick, the scene there at Kits and kind of how inclusive it is. Yeah, yeah, that's I. Uh, that's like the whole reason I still play volleyball. Um, so I got Sean Sanderson as my first introduction, as like a person to bring you in, who's probably, aside from Seymour or... Uh, less known Danny Moore, um, are like the three best people that you can know in kits. And if you go into kits, they're the three people you're going to meet regardless. I mean, Seymour and Sandy were just on the mic all weekend at the Van Open, and I think they got into a little less trouble this year than they have in the past years, but they crush it every year and uh, make that place so much fun. But um, the culture in Vancouver is really interesting because you have a lot of really good volleyball players who also are just really good people who also just happen to live really close to the beach. And I don't think a lot of people understand how small the city Vancouver is, that it's actually like really easy to get to Kitts Beach no matter where you live. I know that everyone in Vancouver jokes that if you're outside of Kitts, you're pretty much at the airport. Um, but everyone's really close to it, and the the weather there is, is awesome, and the quality of volleyball is so good. And something that's really tough to replicate is that guys who play beach volleyball, and girls, um, because now there's a female Kids Beach Volleyball Association equivalent, um, care about getting better past their prime. And I think that's something who that is missing in Ontario because of... And I think, Dallas, you brought this up because I was listening to that Chris and Liam episode. Because Ontario has so many high-performance centers for every sport, it creates this culture where I'm either seen and identified fully as this athlete who is all in at the sport, and I'm only getting better and I'm doing it to make a living at it, or I shouldn't be playing it at all because then I look like I'm wasting my time. Whereas in Vancouver, what Sandy will tell you is, like, why play something if you're not going to get better at it? And... That's just a culture that exists, and I think it exists in other sports, too. I know golf. Um, that's a culture that exists. You have 50-year-olds. Like, my dad's 70 years old and still, like, competes for golf, and it's something that exists in that sport, and that you want to get better no matter how old you are or no matter where you are in your life. And uh, I think from that, because guys want to get better, it's really easy to find guys who want to train, and it's really easy to find guys who will, like, show up right after work and will commute 
to the beach after work to get some reps in or to play some games. And um, I think that's kind of the distinctive factor that's really tough to replicate. And it's because there aren't as many high-performance centers in Vancouver. I think uh, the moment you start making sports really serious and creating very serious mindsets for athletes from a super young age, then you start to make them feel like they should only, they can only play the sport unless they're, they can only play the sport if they're like kind of all into it. Um, but yeah, the challenge court is, a, is another big part of that. So it's a bit, it's a California thing and that's where Jim Clive, our, uh, our Lord and savior, um, spends all of his winters and challenge courts are very common in California. And so it's one court on the beach that's always 24 seven, a challenge court meaning if you have a net set up, it doesn't matter if it's your net. If someone comes up and challenges you, you have to accept the challenge. Even if they don't have a partner when they put the challenge in, you have to let them find a partner to play you. And I think that just lets you, like for me, my first summer, I got to play against Johnny Whiskar and, um, I don't think at the same time, but like in my first summer playing volleyball, I was like getting to play against these guys who are unbelievable at the sport. So then that kind of helps inspire you. Nice. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. When I was there with Thomas Sore and Logan Men prepping for Canada Games, like Thomas Sore got picked up by a stranger. Logan's playing with different buddies. It's like, it's a good level of ball, but it's like still a sense of community. The people are there for like the right reasons and everybody's getting along, but still battling. It was kind of a, a cool feeling coming from Ontario. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. And I like that they're distinct. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I sometimes miss kits in, when I'm playing in Ashbridges, but I like that they have their own distinct cultures like that. Nice. So you went from kind of battling out on the beach and, and figuring it on your own. Was there a moment that clicked that you could play U-sports? Like, what made a guy going from like, oh, I love volleyball, I love the challenge, I feel like I'm getting better, to be like, you know what, I, I can play varsity, I can do this. <laughs> um, the answer is I never felt like I could play varsity. Until Logan Ment convinced me to email Ryerson to play. Um, I had moved back to Toronto following my girlfriend. And uh, I was going to move back to Vancouver after I finished my degree in Ottawa. And I, then I decided to move to Toronto instead. And then right before I moved to Toronto, um, Ivan Reka was like, Hey, man, do you want to practice together next winter and like go to the selection camp together? Because he and I had met the band Open the previous summer. And I was pretty starstruck because he was good at volleyball and I didn't see myself in that way. And I guess in the little bit that he and I had hung out in Vancouver while he was out for the band open and we had played a little bit together, he kind of saw that I was uh, um, worth grooming, I guess. I don't know. Like we got along, we were good buddies and he asked me to kind of hang around and play and practice for the winter. And then that was a big boost of confidence He's like, I know you're moving back to Toronto. Do you want to take volleyball seriously? And I was like, hell yeah, I want to take volleyball seriously. Like, volleyball's the best. And then, so I moved back to Toronto, and I was playing beach a lot. And then Logan Mend was over hanging out one day. And he uh, he heard he knew that I was, like, thinking of applying to my master's. And he's like, well, if you play your master's, like, why don't you play volleyball wherever you go? I was like, no, I don't want to play indoor volleyball. Like, I play beach, man. Like, that's not, I don't play indoor and uh, he's like, well, just send them an email. Like, you never know. So I did. And um, I sent an email to Adam Simak because I thought he was going to be the coach. And then Matt Harris got back to me. And he's like, yeah, I'll meet with you. And then <laughs> that, was a, that was a funny first meeting with Matt Harris. In what sense? Well, I didn't know anything about indoor volleyball. And I went into the meeting and he brought me into the office, or he gave me a tour around the athletic center, and he brought me in, and we were chatting about beach and whatnot, and he's like, oh yeah, like, I know, like, Josh Nickel, and I, like, I used to coach Will Hoey, and I know, like, George Sherman, and all these guys that I got to know since I moved to Toronto, and then he's like, yeah, and I saw some, like, video of you playing beach, and he pulls out his phone, and he shows me a video that someone sent him from my Instagram that I had posted of me playing beach uh, from FISU Trials. And this video was me versus Will and Liam, and I was playing with my friend Elijah. And in this video, he's like, oh, yeah, look at that. Like, your setting's really good. That's high ball setting. That's a huge part of indoor. And, uh, yeah, your block's really good. Like, pressed over the net. That's all kind of like – I'm thinking to myself while he's speaking, like, these are just very rudimentary, like, volleyball things. And in that same video, I actually hand-set a, a ball over on one, and I was pretty embarrassed that he saw that. And he's like, oh, yeah, like, really good hands that you can hand-set a volleyball over on one in beach. I didn't think you could do that. 
<laughs> Usually you can't, but I got away with it because uh, they weren't real refs refing that game. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just really advanced. Yeah. You volleyed that with your toes. You don't often see that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you know, Matt, why would I waste my energy with my hands when I can just do it with my feet? It was crazy. He's like, yeah, someone sent me this video. I don't know who sent it to him, but he's like, yeah, I got this video sent to me. And then he pulls up my own Instagram account and shows me a video on my Instagram of me playing. And then asked you if you've seen it before? <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end of it, he's like, uh, yeah, so uh, we've got no old guys on this team next year because they're all graduating. And so I, I need some old guys. And uh, you want to play? And uh, I wasn't even, I hadn't even been accepted in my master's program yet. And so, yeah, I got a spot. I was really surprised. So friend of the show, TJ Sanders, hit us with that old guy comment, too. Just for the record, Joel, how old are you? I'm 23. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely getting up there. Um, <laughs> now that we learned what Sajep was last week with MC, I can't yeah. let you pass with the old guy is 23. You'd be a rookie at Laval, it sounds like. I uh, We actually looked that up. I would have been eligible for rookie of the year if I was playing in Quebec. Hey. hey. <laughs> You know what you'd be in dog years? What's that? You know what you'd be in dog years? How old would I be? Dead. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Dallas with the fun fact of the day. All right. Uh, I was intern's gym joke. Didn't really go over that well. <laughs> Leave it in, Jim. Leave it in. Oh, what are you paying you here for? <laughs> nice. So what was year one like with uh, Ryerson? You guys you guys were competitive. You had a, a big stud rookie in Xander. Like, what was it like playing indoor volleyball in a, in a very formal setting in the OUA? Oh, man, it was a lot of learning. It was a ton of fun getting to be around a big group of guys. That's something I really missed that you don't get in beach volleyball. It's something I missed from playing hockey when I was younger. And it's... It's a great feeling to just get to go travel with your best buddies and go to practice every day and see them for a couple hours and the routine of it gets really nice. And I, uh, I think a reason I've been able to stick with volleyball when it's such a frustrating and very technical sport where even the best volleyball players are saying that they feel like the worst volleyball players like on a regular basis. Uh, I think a reason I've stuck with it is because I, I like challenges and I, I like not being the best at something. Um, and that's how I felt this whole year. And I was able to work myself onto the court as a right side. And the moment I started playing in games, I started learning and improving a lot faster. But, uh, yeah, the year was a little bit of a, a bit of a gong show. We, uh, had a coaching change on the very first day of the season. We had both of our starting left sides leave the team within two weeks of each other. And, um, then to top it all off, we also were still able to somehow win games, which just kind of added to this funny narrative. I mean, having a Xander on your team always helps. Just being able to set him 50 balls a game never hurts. But uh, Not 51, a, though, because wild. nobody really knows what that is. <laughs> a what, sorry? Not 51, though, because nobody really knows what that is. And I think he got 60 sets in a game once. Which is pretty crazy. That's nuts. Yeah, bananas. Um, yeah, it was it was really fun. We established a reputation in the league as the bad boys. Um, I know you guys love stories on this show, and I've got a bunch relating to indoor. I might have more stories from my one year playing indoor than I do from four years on the beach because we got into a lot of confrontation with people in the OUA this year, so much so that I had to buy a guy <laughs> a Nanaimo bar at a cafe two months after the season ended just to say I'm sorry. You know, you better take this away here. What is a bad boy in indoor volleyball? you got to give us some anecdotes here. You know me, Joe. I'm a pretty timid guy on the court, so <laughs> you're going to have to explain to me what confrontation on the court looks, sounds, and feels like, because I think that might be something foreign to me. Yeah, I think that's foreign to you because all you see is red, and you actually go unconscious when you get into those <laughs> states. <laughs> Wires are crossing. All I see is red cards, maybe, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh. yeah, we had a few of those this season. No, okay, so we had a pretty young team, and um, when I say young, it was myself, our libero, Adam Sanderson, who was also a loner player, meaning that he played four years at Dalhousie and then came over to Ryerson to play out his last year. And then it was 15 
guys born between 1999 and 2000. And that was essentially our team. So how could and you be bad boys if you all had a curfew? How does yeah. this work? <laughs> well, didn't Nico we, just have to put everybody in timeout? <laughs> <laughs> Felt like it some days. Um, no, most of our recruits came from this volleyball club called Pac-Man. And a lot of them had won a club championship in 18U before they came. And so, not to name names, but our backup setter and, every, and all the other first-year recruits came into this team and thought they were hot shit. And they were still kind of riding the high like four months later. They're like, oh, I won an 18U club championship. Like, I'm unstoppable. And at first it was so annoying and it caused a lot of conflict on our team. But once we got over that, we realized that it actually did a much better job of pissing off the other team. Um, and so we just realized that teams in the OUA would get a bit rattled if we started chirping under the net or, or tugging on their jerseys or pointing at their faces under the net or yelling at them when they came onto our side or yelling at their coaches. And, um, not to condone any of that behavior, but it certainly won us a lot of games this season. I fully give that my lock and stamp of approval. <laughs> um, yeah. It's funny you say that because you and I are similar in the sense that we spent the majority of our childhood coming from a hockey culture. Yeah. And I think a hockey culture sort of promotes that antagonizer or that villain persona where you can be this person on well, be this person on the ice that's totally different from the person off the ice. And I think hockey better than volleyball does a good job of leaving it on the ice, right? Like, you know, you can be who you are on the ice and then sort of leave it and be cordial or be friendly with people off the ice. But and this is my hot take of the day for the episode. I think volleyball culture is a little bit soft when it comes to that. I think people uh, no, I'm being dead serious. Yeah, I think yeah. people that come from a strictly volleyball background, first off, don't know how to be chirped. They don't know what is sort of par for the course and what is said with jest. And they also don't know that there's a time and a place for doing stuff. So I'm not going to name any names either, but this is another sort of funny story that I had. Um, the setter that I played club with was the starting setter on um, a university team that I was playing with, and he grew out a man bun, and it was a terrible haircut. Like it was like one like on the podium of worst hair in the OUA. So as he was walking away, I thought, why not pull it? Like what harm could come from that? And he turned around and he cocked back like he was gonna throw a bunch. I couldn't stop laughing. That something that I perceived to be so small upset him so much and not not that he was going to throw a punch but he got real upset real fast and for me it was like oh my god i totally am in your wheelhouse cooking <laughs> yeah a bunch of snowflakes in the volleyball is what it is it's not that i think it's just it catches people off guard where in sports well you can even say in contact sports that sort of aggression and that sort of I don't know, like I said, persona is more common than, than necessarily being a villain on the volleyball court. Yeah, I think when you're playing like GTHL hockey or minor hockey, you've got a cage over your face, you've got a bench that you can go onto, and you've got a ton of equipment on your body, and so you get this, and you're in high school, and you play hockey, so if you're a guy, you feel whether it's true or not, you feel like you're at the top of the social... You feel like hierarchy. you're in the show. <laughs> yeah. And so you feel like you can get away with anything, and I think that's where the, a large part of that culture stems from in hockey. And I think in volleyball, the fact is, like, you have a net between you, but, like, you don't have a cage over your face, and you're not, you're not forced to, like, get into the corner of the boards of the person and, like, body check them. So I think that's... Yeah, that's where the distinction comes from. But... To be honest, I had a lot of fun with it this past year. I think a lot like Chris Tao and um, Jordan Figuera on my one team, I think, well, Chris and I were buddies before this season, but I think Jordan had to have like a real um, 180 on it, what his perception of me was. I mean, the first time that we played U of T this season was at U of T, and I didn't start the game, and we lost the first set. 
And then I came onto the court for the second set and started looking at Evan Filardo, their left side, who I'm now friends with as well, and he had a terrible mustache. And I started looking at him. See, hair is usually the first instigation of you know you're getting chirped, whether it's bad hair, bad facial hair, something's going on. Oh, it was so bad. Like, peach fuzz on his upper lip, and I looked at him, and I was like, man, you got to shave that thing. Like, I've got a razor in my backpack. I'll get it for you at the timeout. You just come over to my bench. And, like, I was being so dead serious with him. And I don't think he understood what I was saying to him or knew that I was chirping him. And I just stayed on the whole game. And then that wasn't working too much. So then I moved over to their other left side and started chirping them. And these guys were looking at me like, this guy's like, this guy's an asshole. This guy is probably one of the meanest people I've ever seen in my life. But what they didn't realize is that when I came onto the court, my whole team, who were predominantly first and second years, were were shook. Like, they were playing against U of T at U of T, and we were down a set, and it was, like, the first game of our in-city rivalry for the season. And I think that me coming onto the court and starting to, like, chirp guys and talk some trash and talk some shit, like, helped elevate the level. And then a few other guys got on board, and not to say, like, other guys didn't talk shit first, but... It started this chain of chirping for our team that got way, it got out of hand. Like, it was it was a really fun year. We we did definitely give ourselves a reputation as the bad boys, but it helped us play better. And I think, yeah, when you meet, like Dallas, like you said, when you meet us off the court, we're, uh, like, we're all funny guys and, like, good dudes. And I think we're able to leave it on the court a lot better than other volleyball players. Maybe. Yeah, I'm a little resentful that Kawhi Leonard got the fun guy thing going. I always thought that was my persona, but uh, <laughs> I guess he's a little more marketable than I am. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> well, let's switch gears from you being the villain to you being the, the big brain guy. Why don't you tell us about your masters here? <laughs> yeah. Um, so meanwhile, while I was playing in the OUA, um, I'm doing a master's in human resources at Ryerson, and that was that was actually my first goal um, before I knew I was playing in the OUA was to do a master's at at Ryerson. Um, so yeah, I'm doing that in HR. I've got one more year of that, and then um, I'm gonna try to find a way to postpone my career for a little bit, maybe throw all my chips into beach. And um, but yeah, I, I cared a lot about being able to give myself, if I was going to play sports and continue that on longer than I needed to, I wanted to give myself a good education and a good opportunity to have a, a great career after after sports is done. Nice. And what specifically are you trying to uh, study here or, or do your paper on? Yeah. So uh, master's programs uh, require you to do research, whether it's a master's in business or a master's of science. Dallas, what was your master's in? I know you have one. I have a master's of arts in political science and international development. Oh, cool. Was that a two-year? It was a two. It was a five-semester master's that I did in four semesters. So it's a two and a half years that I did in two years. Oh, I'm okay. Um. But mine wasn't, I didn't do an original thesis, I, um, I, did, a th I, I did a continuation of a thesis. Of a thesis. So at, uh, at the University of Guelph, you either had the option of doing um, your own independent study or continuing um, the trajectory of somebody else's. So I chose to continue the trajectory of somebody else's and it allowed me to do more coursework. And less, uh, and less research. So I, for lack of a better word, took the easy way out. To play more volleyball. To play more volleyball, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Not to discount you, Josh. Do you have a, did you, do you have a master's? Did you no, have a I have a, a college diploma and a university degree. I haven't reached a master of anything quite yet. Like, you, hey, the university number of degrees degree? is the same, though. I do, yeah. I didn't know you had a university degree. See, I'm over here just hiding my What's big brain. What's your university degree in? Uh, communication arts, professional arts. From? Uh, Athabasca. I don't even know what that is. Uh, it's, is, that it's, that, is that an online university? It's, it's probably the best online university I did it while I was also coaching. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. So. Big shout out to Josh Nickel, everybody. Yay! I didn't know that. Yeah, apparently my .com degree is as worth as much as your master's, so thank you for that shout I don't know. That guy in DeVry seems pretty successful. <laughs> I 
know that. Yeah, uh, so I'm doing my master's research paper on the career trajectories of former collegiate athletes, to put it simply. Cool. Um, So my research partner and I, he's also an athlete. He was the captain of Ryerson's hockey team for the past uh, four years. His name's Alex Basso, um, former London Knight. Hey. Yeah. uh, He and I are looking at if former university team sport athletes um, have their career trajectories, meaning how much money do they make and what positions are they in at their companies and how many times do they switch jobs, if, those are, if that's affected in some way by their university sport experience. And we're only looking at team sport athletes, so volleyball, basketball, soccer, and hockey. Uh, according to HockeyDB, your partner also played in the A. Yeah, shout out to Toronto Marlies. Yeah, you got a contractor in the playoffs this year, actually. So we were in school. He and I were working on this paper, and we met up one day, and he's like, oh, I might be getting a phone call during class tonight. And I was like, okay, cool. So like, I'll take notes. I didn't even ask what it was. And it was uh, his agent, and he like he got a contract for the Marlies like, a couple days before they drove him down to Rochester to play his first game. It was a pretty cool... It's pretty sweet. He's super casual. He's a very humble guy. He'll probably never tell anyone ever again in his life that he ever played in the AHL. He's uh, he's pretty quiet, but um, yeah, had a little stint with the Marlies this this postseason, which was pretty cool. So, is he pursuing athletics uh, post grad or no? No, no, he's uh, he's he's hanging up the skates. He is. He doesn't want to ride the bus in the coast and uh, take a shot at that. No, it's definitely <laughs> like it's definitely an option for him. That guy's legit. But um, I think he's I think he's ready to move on. Um, so he and I are taking a very selfish research route, and we're yeah we're kind of seeing if what we're doing with our lives now is going to help us later on in life. That's pretty much why we're doing it. So, so you oh, go, you go. Wow, go. that was good stuff. <laughs> um, so Joel, you are basically going to tell me in your paper whether or not I'm going to be a loser. Yeah. No, okay. You, Dallas, you're okay. No, well, I don't know. I mean, you're definitely the minority on that uh, particular argument. <laughs> but I, you know what? To be quite honest with you, I'm, and all jokes aside, that sounds like a really cool um, research endeavor. And I think, um, like, uh, from a personal standpoint, I'd love to read um, either your draft or your final project or your final paper or whatever, whatever comes out of it. Because I think that, uh, especially in our domain, um, in our circle, it's really interesting to see. And I think... Sorry to take over here, Josh. Um, I think a lot of people in the athletics world, not specific to volleyball, often struggle um, coming out of sport because from the time that they were children to the time that they're young adults, they have identified themselves as a certain thing. And um, to not have that title or to not have that sort of dream of professionalism in athletics people often don't know what to do themselves, both physically and mentally. So, um, honestly and truthfully, thank you for, uh, for taking this on. It's, uh, I'm really interested to hear what you have to say. Yeah, well, I, I don't want you guys to get too inspired because it's, uh, it's going to be a pretty small paper for as big as it could be. Um, we don't, our master's doesn't give us a ton of timeline because my master's isn't a research-focused master's. We're really completing this over the course of like four to five months, as opposed to like my girlfriend did a master's in science and that she was working on her thesis for two years. So what you're able to accomplish and the data you're able to come out with at the end of it is pretty correlated with how much time and effort you put into it. But yeah, we, uh, I mean, we're able to talk a lot about um, what what we're going to find already. We've There's a lot of research that exists that talks about former athletes, and uh, you mentioned it, Dallas, Uh, a big part of an athlete's life, and probably the toughest, is when they retire, and it's a huge shift in their identity, and there's been a lot of studies done that look at athletes, whether they're individual or whether they are team sport athletes that are retiring for various reasons, whether if uh, it's to start a family, if they're female, um, men don't typically retire uh, to start a family from their sport, but whether it's for that injury, um, they're just not good enough anymore to play the sport at the high level, whatever it is, it generally leads to some form of depression 
anxiety, identity crisis, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah, when you think of yourself as a type of person for a very long time and you put all of your time into it, uh, that time takes away from experiences that you could have had otherwise, which make you a more balanced person. So it sounds pretty harsh to say, but a lot of athletes um, who put a lot of time into becoming good at their craft tend to have lower emotional intelligence scores, meaning they might be less self-aware outside of the sports arena that they play in. They might be um, less able to control their emotions. They might be uh, not as good at networking at events. And uh, so for sure, there's a strong correlation between how much you identify as an athlete and how much time you put into your sport and how hard it is to have that part of you taken away and that's why we got really inspired because Alex and I were both kind of nearing the end of our time playing competitive sports especially him and we wanted to kind of see is there some data to back up this point in our lives that we're coming to and uh, it's, it's nice to know that there is it's nice to know that um, while all that gloomy stuff about emotional intelligence does exist with athletes there's also a ton to say that athletes tend to be much more positive uh, outlookers on life. That was a poor way to say that, but they tend to have a better perspective on life. They take coaching a lot better, so when they get into a workplace and they have a boss, they are able to take feedback a lot better. And so why we're looking at team athletes is because modern workplaces, so I'm working for a bank right now, and my entire office is open concept and collaboration-based. And that is pretty much another way to say you're going to be working in teams and you're going to have to work with people. And you're really seeing that model of individual contribution. People come in and they work at a desk and they have one job and they don't talk to anyone and then they go home. That model is kind of getting thrown out because managers are realizing that you can increase your output from your employees with no increase to input, meaning you don't have to pay any of them more if you just get them to work together. And... So what we're looking at is, hey, if people have played team sports their whole life and they're used to getting coached and they're used to having to work with people, even though they might not have put a lot of time into networking or career planning or all this stuff, when they get into a team work environment, are they going to succeed more? And right now, research says that they are going to succeed more. And that's pretty cool. Um, so we're trying to figure out some more qualitative data to explain what exactly it is about their experiences that lead to that but um yeah for all you athletes out there that um might not be uh staying in your sport for that much longer just uh just know it's, it might be okay unless you play an individual sport and you're screwed <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i can't say that for sure. take that badminton <laughs> i think that's a pair sport isn't it there's one-on-one -on -one, yeah think. there's singles there i don't know yeah take that golf yeah. And your stupid pants. <laughs> Dallas, did you golf this weekend? I did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm golfing next weekend, too. This weekend, bud. I shot a 42 on the front and a 46 on the back. I shot an 88. I stumbled in the back big time. Way to start with your front nine score and make us for a brief second believe that was your total. Yes. Yes. I, uh, no, I, uh, I have golfed more now than I have since I was in high school. I, Did you I think, golf a lot growing up? Yeah, that was like my first sport. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Golf and hockey. My dad, my dad tried to get me to golf, but I uh, I didn't take to it. But I think now at this point in my life, I'm realizing that I, uh, I think when I have the time and, and resources to do it, I'll, I'll pick it up. Yeah, it's great. Pretty Sorry, Josh, awesome to cut you off. No, no, all good. Awesome. That's really great info about your masters, Joel. Uh, as a volleyball coach, we're always talking about like soft skills, communication, teamwork. I'm, I'm very interested to read your report that kind of gives the pros and cons. So we're, we're waiting here for on passing dimes to be the official, you know, proofreaders of the first draft here. We'll be on your uh, selection committee for your, uh, what is it, your, <laughs> is it an MA or is it, it's an MBA? MBA. An MBA. So we will be uh, first chairs and I don't. I want to professor passing dimes. <laughs> <laughs> professor passing dimes. Yeah. it's a last name. It's yeah. caffeinated. It's like share. It's you have got to say the whole thing. 
Yeah, you guys, you guys can show up and just stand outside the room and be like, hey, you know, this guy, good guy. We uh, we shot the shit on a podcast for 45 minutes. It was awesome. Yeah. Good guy. Give him the NBA. Yeah, for sure. Uh, as a regular listener of the show, you know, uh, our, our fans are always just craving good, unique volleyball stories. So do you have any tales from the road that you'd like to share with our audience? Tales from the road, not as much, but uh, to go back to... I think I talk, I rambled a little bit about um, Ryerson Rams being the OUA bad boys a little bit this past season. I feel so weird giving ourselves that title. I want to. You're like the 1989 Detroit Pistons. <laughs> you know, man. I don't even know basketball well enough, but yeah, sure. <laughs> Our only OUA story that's like off the court is rolling, explaining how they got people to sing a song in line at the bar. So it's it's pretty shallow waters here. If you want to try to top it, if you uh, if you don't top it with your story, then I don't even know if there's gonna be an episode 19. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I want to. Yeah, thanks, Roland, for setting the bar for me. Um, <laughs> I listened to that episode too. Um, yeah, so not to call ourselves the bad boys, but we definitely talked more shit than other guys in the league, and um, we kind of got towards the latter half of our season with a pretty big ego, and it was definitely like a fake it till you make it type thing, where we knew that we didn't necessarily have the systems or the players to win an OUA championship per se just yet. But we knew that we could really rattle guys and we could play above ourselves if we kept this like ego and confidence. And I think that boiled over a little, a couple times. And it's funny cause in the beach, I've got this pretty good reputation of being like a big softy and really, really nice guy. And then in the OUA, I'm, I'm pretty sure like, Guys like Nick Turin were ready to throw some punches throughout the season. But in our second match against U of T, there was already some bad blood from our first match. Um, luckily, Evan Filardo had shaved his mustache, so I was able to move on from him. <laughs> and, um, Nick Turin became my next target. I'm like <laughs> rubbing my, my eyes as I tell the story because I cringe a little bit thinking back, but I was so heated. And it was the same, same deal. We lost the first set. And the second set started, and I was like, I gotta pick the place up. Like, I gotta start rattling some cages right now. And so. You gotta drop the uh, gloves. Yeah, so one of the first points of the set, I get set the ball. Greg, our setter, sets me pretty tight. I tip it, and then I land underneath the net, and I kind of do this like sideways fall down underneath the net, and the ref calls it as our point at first. And. Everyone's freaking out because they're like, was the ball down first or did Joel go under like three feet onto the other team's court and land first? And then everyone was like losing their minds. Even people in the crowd were like, I don't even know what happened. My girlfriend was sitting in the stands being like, I don't have any idea what's going on right now. But everyone's yelling and everyone's super mad at Joel. And the reason they were so mad is because the game before when we played them, I did the same thing. I got set the ball too tight. So I tipped it down and then I landed and fell deliberately onto the U of T's side of the court just to kind of piss them off. Like, you know, in hockey, when you like you chip the puck in or goalie stops it, and then you just kind of like stop really close to the goalie just to get up in their space. And like, you just wait for the defenseman to come and cross check you out of the crease. You know that? No? You, you give him a snow job. I was a goalie. So I was on the receiving end of those quite often. <laughs> you were a goalie? Yeah. It explains a lot. Man, I would have never guessed. Really? I would, I, no, I, I feel like you would have asked to be a player, or you would have fought a lot. I mean, like, Ray Emery, I feel like you were the Ray Emery of um, minor hockey when you would have I, I I will definitely take credit for being the Ray Emery of the GTHL AA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was, like, getting up in their grill deliberately. I knew I wasn't going to, like, break an ankle. I didn't see anyone in the way. So I just kind of, like, hit the ball, or tipped the ball down and then fell onto their side just so that they got, like, rattled enough. And then a few points later, the same thing happens, but the other way around. And it's Nick Truern gets set the ball too tight, and he tips it, and he comes onto our side of the court, and I walk up to him, and he's lying on the ground. I stand, like, right over him, and I go, expletive. I'm like, you get the F off my side of the court. And I was, like, standing over top of him as, as he's on the ground. And this poor guy, like, was not ready for that. He gets up and he's like, dude, why are, why are you being so mean? What's wrong with you? And then in that moment, I was like, 
volleyball is not made for the kind of chirping that I'm given today. <laughs> I mean, I don't know the guy, but I so I can't really comment. And Joel, you know this. I only really make fun of people I either really don't like or really really like. Um, but if you get chirped and you go, "What are you doing?" That's just mean. I mean, I don't want to say you had it coming, but. <laughs> So, yeah, so I stand over him, and he gets up. I'm pretty sure, like, Chris Cow came out of the net to grab him. And then everyone gets up towards the nets. And because now Nick Turn, he, like, he's like, why are you being so mean? But then he realizes what happens, and he starts cussing back at me. And at this point, I try to, like, remove myself from the situation. Again, like, you do in hockey after you are, like, a shit disturber. You tend to be the one who skates to the bench first. Just to, like, make it seem like it wasn't you, or you kind of look like a little bit of a rat. And I'm really trying to get under their skin because – we lost the first set, and I'm trying to trying to help, help the boys out a little bit and give them a little fire. And so that happens, and then a few points later, I got a yellow for asking. I asked Nick or Evan something. I was I was like, oh, I might ask Biggs. I might have said, are you going to set him again after like we got a steal on one of their one of their outsides and we got a block? And I asked Biggs. I was like, are you going to set him again? And the ref heard me and I guess was like waiting to give me a card no matter what I did. I could have like blown my nose and he probably would have given me a yellow at that point. I pissed everyone off. <laughs> I hope and you have I a great a, day. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I get a yellow and there's this pretty awesome picture that um, one of our photographers got of me waving to the scoreboard. I also didn't know what to do because I've never gotten a card in my life. So I, everyone's like, Joel, you got to face the scoreboard and let them know it was you. So I faced them and I waved, but I was giving like a little smirk and... One of the photographers caught the picture of it, and in the background, you see the ref, like, holding the yellow card right above my head. Not a red, so not as cool, but um, Nav, our middle, got a, a red card later in the game for bowing to a guy after he blocked him. Um, so that game happens, and then after the game ends, they beat us 3-1, and apparently, I didn't see this till I watched the video later on, Nick Truern, after they lost turned to me and was like cussing me out and I don't blame the guy I was being pretty mean the whole night but he was turning like he had to get held back by his boys his teammates and the moment the game was over and we were like shaking hands in the lineup I felt bad I was like I took it too far we even lost like what was the point my guilty conscience was coming back in like nice guy Joel was coming back in and I felt terrible and <laughs> season ends we don't line up against them in playoffs and I see Chris a few more times and he's like dude like what are, you, what are you doing, man? Like, we just want to play volleyball. Like, why Why were you so mean to us all the time? Um, and the more people just didn't understand why I was chirping them, the, the worse I felt about it all season. Because in hockey, you chirp a guy, and he's like, okay, he's chirping me. I chirp him back. I'm going to talk some shit. But in volleyball, they're like, dude, like, what's wrong with you? And then I, uh, a few months go by, and I'm studying for finals. And I'm in a coffee shop, and the door opens. I'm at... Futures Bistro in, in the Annex, if anyone hangs around U of T, and the door opens, and I look up from my notes, and Nick Trurn walks in, and he looks at me, and he looks, like, pissed right away. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, am I about to fight Nick Trurn in a coffee shop right now? Like, is this about to go down? And then, like, a typical guy in your head, you're like, okay, like, what am I going to grab if he grabs something? Like, am I going to go for the plastic cup? Like, is this really going to happen? Because there was some, like, heat building up, and... Sure enough, he sits down at a table right beside me because it's the only one open. And we both studied for the next, like, hour and a half, just, like, sending glares over each other's way. And it was awkward. Like, it was really awkward because this guy and I had, like, looked in each other's faces and, like, thrown F-bombs at each other and been, like, get the F off my side of the court. And so I'm, I finished up my studying before him, and I get up, and I'm walking up to the counter, and I wanted to buy an animal bar because I always buy an animal bars when I'm done studying. It's like a pat on the back. And I look back at him. I turn around as I'm at the counter, and he's – watching some video on YouTube or something. And I turn back to the guy, I'm like, you know what? Make it tuna apple bars. And I get one and I write on the bag, I go, peace offering? Question mark. And then as I walk by, I had this whole cool move planned out where I was going to drop it on the table, but then I dropped it and like knocked into his laptop a little bit. And I uh, bought the guy in a apple bar and he shot me a message on Facebook. And uh, now I'm, I'm allergic there. to chocolate, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. He messaged me on Facebook and he's like, I hate Nanao bars. How'd you know? Yeah. <laughs> of course. Who told who told you? <laughs> yeah, so that's uh 
that was probably the best like closed loop story from this past season. That's pretty uh, good. It's so funny you say that, man, because you keep talking about how everybody doesn't like you and how you're this big tough guy. And I came from the total opposite world, where Joel, I think I had to pull you aside one day and say you're too nice. Oh man, JB had to tell me that at the OVA Grand Slam a few weeks ago. He's like, you are being too soft. <laughs> He's so French, right? He can't really explain it to you. He's like, you need to get mad. Like, you don't play beach volleyball anymore. You need to play better by getting mad. Like, your skill, not good enough to beat them. But if you get mad, you can play better. <laughs> yeah, I've been told that before. I mean, I think you're a great dude. I just, it's really funny for me to hear that because my first impression of you was literally, man, he's so nice. Like, I don't understand how can someone be that nice. <laughs> but here we are. Now you have to buy... Pastries is peace offerings. <laughs> yeah, and you have a whole other season yeah. coming up. <laughs> Possibly another th four. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm changing. We'll see what this season's like in the OUA. I hopefully don't have to take on that same role. It's pretty exhausting having to play volleyball and chirp guys at the same time. Hockey was easier. You go chirp guy for 30 seconds, then you sit for three minutes. Or in my case, you sit for 10 minutes. Yeah, you're a bit of a grocery okay. stick, eh? What's that? <laughs> so were you a bit of a grocery stick? Yeah, yeah, I was a good divider on the bench. <laughs> like, uh, any conflicts that were happening, I kept guys away from each other. Hey, you know? fellas, come on now. Yeah, I was the good guy on the bench. Oh, you need water? Yeah, coach, yeah, I'll move out of the way. Yeah, yeah no problem. <laughs> uh, well, Joel, it was good to have you on, buddy. And, uh, you know, we wish you the best of luck with uh, with your thesis coming up, and uh, I think we're both really looking forward to seeing you play uh, with Ryerson next year, and obviously, uh, really uh, eager to to see what you what you find in uh, in your academics. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you for uh, thanks for making this podcast. All all media that's getting made for volleyball is uh, is good for the sport right now. Well, thanks, well most of it. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I appreciate it. Anyone who's uh, talking about volleyball and putting it on the internet web is uh, is good for the sport. So, way to give back, Dallas. Way to give back. Doing what I can, buddy. Doing what I can. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. All right, dude. Sweet. Yeah, thanks for making the time here. Yeah, bro. have a good night. We'll catch up, man. We'll go get a coffee soon. All right, I'll hold you to that. You should. I'll try not to show up forty-five minutes late this time. I don't remember, so I, I, I could have, I wouldn't, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Maybe you were so mad you just went saw red and you can't have Probably, it's one of the, I block out a lot. <laughs> All right. All right, buddy, take care. Cheers, thanks. All right, thanks, buddy. Bye. Thanks again, Joel Hannon, for coming on, uh, for coming on the podcast. If you like what you hear with, uh, with Joel and you like the banter you hear between Josh and I, be sure to check us out on Podbeam. Google Play, Apple Music, and uh, wherever you sneaky little buggers steal your podcasts. <laughs> uh, be sure to follow us on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Pass and Dimes. And uh, Josh, you're going to be heading out soon. Big trip to Edmonton. There's a lot of stuff going on. One volleyball is going to be there. There's a Canada Cup for some youth beach volleyball stars. And, of course, the FIB3 star that we've been just drooling over since the schedule came out. Uh, yeah, I've been chatting to a few buddies of mine on the tour who, this is their first experience in Canada, so uh, whether he knows it or not, friend of the show, Magic Rudel uh, from Team Poland was uh, sending me pictures and videos of the practice facility they have right now at Edmonton, and it's all like mountains, I guess, you can, I can't say mountain and prairies because those are two different things, but it's all like very scenic, Canadianic um picture and they just have like it's, it looks like a volleyball court in the middle of nowhere <laughs> that's sweet uh, yeah i think we've already talked about the great volleyball community that is in the province of alberta and edmonton specifically so i think it's great to showcase that to some international teams hopefully some people make some time to talk to us we'll hopefully get a, a couple guests out of this like we do at all marquee events but uh yeah i'm definitely excited to be there as much as i can but uh i'm there for the canada cup so it, it's for the kids Dallas. it's for the kids always for the kids josh <laughs> Uh, no, and I know that you're going to represent the podcast very well and uh, probably sign a whole bunch of autographs. Oh, I hope to. I hope yeah. to get recognized for passing times at least three dozen times this week. Well, it's going to be hard when we have our full uh, passing dimes bodysuits on. <laughs> People are going to know whether they want to or not. 
Uh, speaking of getting recognized for passing times, thanks to MC LaPointe for being our on-site correspondent at the Van Open. There was a ton of good content there. Looked like an awesome event. Like, those bleachers are professional. They had some good teams. They had the big Jumbotron going, and I heard they ran out of that cider beer that was a sponsor, so... All around, great job by the Van Open crew. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to uh, to Chris Densmore and everybody at uh, Volleyball BC. You uh, you put on another amazing event, and I'm sure it's going to be even better next year. Yeah, we'll have to get out there eventually. I mean, if you guys need a podcast, uh, you know, I, Dallas and I come cheap. Yeah, passing on terrific dimes or passing <laughs> West Coast dimes, whatever you want, we're out there, <laughs> and we're not afraid to sell ourselves for it. <laughs> So yeah, see you next year. And yeah. yeah, I think that's that crowns episode 19 here with Joel Hannon. Good one. Another good one in another, the box. Another good one in the box. Another, no, no, you know what? Another unsuspecting good one. It's always great to hear that, you know, there's a lot of dimensions to the volleyball community and uh, and there's a lot of good people in it. And Joel's, uh, Joel's a good person. Yeah, if you've never heard of Joel, hopefully you learned a lot this episode and you can say I don't want the beach. I just feel like we're on pace where like Joel Hannon episode is going to do really well and someday we're going to get like Karch Cry and it's just going to flop. Tank, absolutely. <laughs> Who is that guy? We'll just be fangirling the whole yeah. time. Uh-huh. Well, let's wrap it up there. Good. You? Yeah, not bad. You? Yeah, you know. Can't wait for episode 20. All right. Thanks, Sal. Another beauty. Thanks. Bye, Josh's mom. Bye, mom.